0: Dead Bodies is not for the squeamish and is intended for mature audiences. Well, hi there. My name's Dee Dee Dunleavy. And I'm Chanel Vella. And we both are very interested in dead bodies. Don't know why that made me think. When my son was eight, uh, Big Brother was on TV, and computers, they weren't as fabulous as they are now. We had one family computer, it was huge. The shared PC? That's right. Um, And there was lots of stuff about, oh, watch your children when they're on, they'll, they'll look up bad things on the computer. And so we just had the one family computer, we would all use it. And I, <laughs> I was doing entertainment reports and I needed to look up something on Big Brother. So I've typed in, and you know how autofill happens? Of course. Mm-hmm. So I've typed big space B and up Body. comes. No. Oh. Big boobs. <gasps> oh. What does that have to do with Big boobs. Someone in the house had, so I've said to my husband, look, darling, no, he said, no, I swear to God it wasn't me. So I've said... Hey, hey, get in here. Um, and asked the 8 year and he said, yes, it was me. He said, but, Mum, I'm
1: interested. And how do you argue with that? Well, just like the people listening to this <laughs> podcast when someone finds That's it right. in their podcast library and they'll say, why is there a podcast called Dead Bodies in there? I'm interested. I'm interested. Well, I am. Well, this is very fitting because I – there has recently been a murder, and I won't go into which murder it was. Mm-hmm. But there has recently been a murder, and the murder had happened, and the police were still at the crime scene. Yeah. And I heard in the newsroom that the aerials had come in and you could see dead body on it. And I
0: immediately logged on. To the so, computer. do you get like s- pictures that we don't get to see?
1: Well, we get a lot of dead body pictures and we have to blur the dead body. Yeah. But I. We can see the unblurred pics and I could not log on fast enough to see dead body. Oh. Yeah. I zoomed. That's a terrible job.
0: The person has to do the blurring of the dead bodies. And I always imagine it's mm. worse than it is because sometimes you can see the blurry version well, it was and a I man. go looking for the unblurred version. It
1: was a man. Yes. And... Um, so where
0: was, was he?
1: He was... I'm trying to think of how I can do it without saying what case it was. Um, he was outside, obviously yes. that's why we could see him, Yeah, but he was, it looked like he was wearing a mask and I don't know if that had something to, he was oh. shot. Oh. I don't know if his face was weird because of the shooting, but he just, yeah, he was just sitting there. It must be it'd be interesting
0: to talk to, um, and we must do this one day, to, to the cameramen who have to shoot that because mm. – well, you don't look away. We know that by no, now. I, I would look away. I mean, the the journalist, the reporter can mm. can look away. Yes, but
1: the cameraman needs to stay staring and fixed, absolutely, and focused on it. That must and it must. It's like stay when body in their bags brain. come out of houses. We always use that shot, and people. I'm never traumatized by a body bag shot, but people are very traumatized by that, and I have to remember that sometimes.
0: Yeah, no, a body bag doesn't bother me, and you know how terrified I am of, yeah. of a real dead on body on the yeah. trolley
1: going into the back of it. No, van?
0: I'm okay with that, and and there's always like a little wobble
1: to it, yeah. just at the last minute. I call isn't those it? vans, meat wagons. That's well, that's the oh, jargon don't. out of the road. Oh, oh, meat wagons here. Rotty lot. That's what else awful. Do you coroner's van. And what happens to that footage once you've looked at it? Well, it's still in the. It stays in the system.
0: I'm very disappointed you didn't share that with me. Although it's probably better you don't. I I came across a um what was I? I was listening to a crime podcast I can't remember what case it was and they said oh the photos are online. So what do I do? I go on and look around. Came across a website that is nothing but crime scene photos. Mm. It's like ghoulish people. See? It's like a kind of Reddit so, thing but it's uh, I, I will look up its name and share it with you for those well, who want to.
1: We were granted it. once access to crime scene video to this person that had been bludgeoned to death and I couldn't stop watching it. Wow, and, yeah, and I was fairly new at a television network, not one I'm currently working for. and then I got worried that perhaps I wasn't meant to be looking at it, and it was totally fine for me to be looking at it. It's in the server, and I quickly logged out. but then like I went back in and kept looking at it. <laughs> I couldn't stop. I wish people could see you when you're talking because Chanel is like impossibly pretty. She's like
0: she's just like a sugar princess. And when she talks about? Cory, horrible <laughs> bludgeonings. Her face lights it's, just, up. it's so but it's so weird. It's like you expect you to be like a craggy old witch <laughs> talking about death. But no.
1: Anyway. Um, yes. What do you have for us?
0: Okay, I have a lesson for us all. Um, when you think of chimneys, do you think what's the first thing you think of? Mary Poppins. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mary Poppins was one. It's Bert up on the chim chimney, chim chiminy. Yeah. You think of happy dancing. Yeah. Guys, Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim A sweet as lucky as
2: lucky Chim chimney, chim chimney, chim chim Good luck, will when I shake
1: dance with you. Also, maybe Santa Claus. Comes down the chimney? Yeah, I don't know. I never had a chimney, so I didn't really associate 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 Santa Claus with chimneys, but yep. Well, that's what that's Santa Claus awesome. comes down he to. Does.
0: But maybe chimneys are not such lovely, innocent places. Let me just give you a few
1: oh.
0: stories about chimneys. And a lesson for everyone is the chimneys are shaped in a way. They're not usually straight. They quite often narrow as they get towards the bottom. Sure. Can everyone absorb that and understand it mm. before you get any great ideas about doing a bit of a Santa Claus act and going down a chimney? <laughs> First story uh, back in two thousand and three, uh, thirteen. There was a solicitor's office in Derby in England and the staff there started to notice an unusual smell and an unusual number of flies.
1: It always starts with a smell.
0: <laughs> so they, they called in pest controllers and the pest controllers couldn't work out where all the flies were coming from. They called in the workmen who broke through a wall and they found the decomposing body of a 43-year-old man wedged upside down in a chimney. It was a homeless man... The, look, it would appear that he was trying to break into the office. I believe he tried to oh. break into um, a place a couple of doors down and had broken through a window. And they found his blood on the glass and found out it was him through DNA and stuff. I mean, that's the only explanation they could have as to how he was in there. But he he, he had made it most of the way down the chimney, so it was obviously thought that going down the chimney he'd just pop out at the bottom like Santa Claus. He's been
1: murdered. Who goes down N- a no, chimney head first? A
0: homeless man who's I- trying to. Get into the office to get stuff.
1: Wouldn't you go down like you're on that ninja show, like try to press your Cold hands? Su- how
0: big and do you think feet? chimneys are? They're skinny. They're only like a body. Well, they're all different sizes, but they reckon he got most of the way down, went in head first, got most of the way down, and the chimney actually narrows towards the bottom. So as he got near, near to the bottom, it compressed on his back and his <gasps> chest, which would have stopped him being able to breathe. Um, and then his clothing would have stopped any air flowing back and forth, the coroner said that he would have lost consciousness and died probably within minutes because of the lack of air in there. So he wouldn't have even been able to call out for help. Minutes is a long time. Yes, it is if you can't breathe. Here's another case, uh, January 1984, and this happened in Abbeville, in Louisiana. There was a 26-year-old man by the name of Joseph Schick Snyder, and he disappeared. He'd been serving in the National Guard. He worked in the circus for several months. He was apparently selling fairy floss and peanuts. Peanuts. Remember that guy at the footy used to sell peanuts. <laughs> Uh, now, he had been known to leave town now and then, so um, and he was also due in court on a charge of possessing a stolen vehicle. So when he went missing, a lot of people thought perhaps he was just skipping to get away from sure. that. Um, Enter chimney. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't think a whole lot of it. In fact, they didn't even file a missing persons report, and I don't think oh. they even had a particular search for him because it was not unusual for him to leave town. Right. Fast forward To 2011, that's 27 years later, the Abbeville National Bank in Louisiana, same small town, was renovating its second floor. So they'd been using the second floor for storage and they thought they'd set up a bit of office space up there. And a builder doing some work up there removed a metal shield that was over the face of the chimney. He saw a bit of fabric gave it a bit of a tug and was showered with human bones and that's being a bit melodramatic. He wasn't showered, you know, I'll just make Yeah, it. but let's
1: pretend he was. Showered with human bones.
0: Showered with human bones. There was a yellow long sleeve shirt, a pair of jeans, there was a pair of runners in there, there was a pair of, I don't know why this guy had his name written on his boxer shorts, but they were, had his name on his boxer shorts, it was on the waistband. So the police were called, they used DNA, that confirmed that it wasn't in fact, Joseph Snyder, and they think that he probably died within a few days of, of climbing into the chimney. No idea why he was actually in there. Was they it can, a bank then? Yeah, uh, Yes, it was. And he was um, to rob the bank. there was a magazine and a pair of gloves mm. as well. So they can only speculate as to what he was doing in there. They say there was no sign of foul play and they say that it looked like he went into the chimney feet first. It was 14 inches wide at the top, which is just over a foot obviously – But because the chimney narrowed sharply at the bottom, and a lot of chimneys change angle along the way down, so they're not necessarily just straight straight up and down, but this one had narrowed very sharply at the bottom to just a few inches so he would have got wedged and unable to get himself out. And because where he got stuck was 20 feet above the
1: footpath level, even if he had called out for help, nobody would have been able to hear him. I feel like I'm really capable of being one of those people that thinks chimneys are straight and getting in one. Yeah, don't do that. That's why I'm, this is a lesson for everyone. This is a community everyone. service announcement.
0: Here's the third story. Christmas in 1977. And this story is about a 14-year-old boy. His name's Robert Thompson, uh, living in Los Angeles. And his family described him as sweet-tempered. I think probably he would have been classified as a special needs child sure. because he had a – at the age of 14, he had an IQ of six years old and he liked to run around the house barefoot. It sounds like a bit – mischievous is a the word they used sure. to describe. A bit here, a bit there. He suffered from seizures and if he didn't take his medication, he could have as many as three seizures a day one particular time he actually fell on his face and he had to have some dental surgery and this becomes important later in the story Um, there was some damage to his jaw which take note of that now when he went missing um, his mother clearly was she just knew and sometimes mother's instinct and father's instinct too is, is right she had a feeling that someone had taken and killed him here's a little side note too He was the first of her children that she lost. Clelia lost, over the course of her life, seven children. One of her children died at birth. One died of natural causes. Two of them were stabbed to death by former partners and two committed suicide. I'm doing a horrified face. Isn't that... Just extraordinary. So this was the first of hers to go missing. So as I said, it was it was Christmas Eve. It was a rainy night. The whole family was at the home. Everyone was around, all the kids. And there was one person from outside the house, a guy called Theodore Van Smith, who was known as Theodoric. Um, he had been the boyfriend of one of the girls in the house. I think they'd broken up at that point. But he was known to the family, Um, and it was said that he would um, play with the kids in the family, would take them out for hamburgers and drinks and would sometimes take them away for short spells. Mm. Alarm bells. Yes. No red flag this time. Is that like a... We'll do it again.
1: Okay. Red flag.
0: The next morning, Christmas Day, of course, um, Robert was noticed missing and the family thought that he would come home. He'd left his shoes behind, so they searched all around the neighbourhood and they found no sign of him. The other thing that nobody really noticed because they were all looking for Robert was the fact that Theodoric had also disappeared on the same day. So everyone was so concerned for Robert, they didn't particularly notice that Theodoric had, had gone. Eight years later, they still hadn't found Robert. February 1985, a 12-year-old Smith Thompson, who is the brother of the missing boy, Robert. Got you. He was in hospital. He'd been attacked and he was screaming, Mama Theodoric killed Robert. Mama Theodoric killed Robert. He told me he killed Robert. So what he told his mother was that, um, and he was in hospital with, uh, I should say, tyre marks across his chest and and his forehead. He was in intense pain. Police said that he'd been driven by Theodoric Smith to a dark alley and raped. And this little boy, Smith, said that uh, Theodoric said to him, if you don't make me feel good, I'm going to kill you just like I killed your brother, Robert. So the kid did the right thing and told his mother what Theodoric had said. And um, police believed that Theodoric had eventually thrown the child out of the car and ran over him, tried to kill him. Obviously, he didn't kill him. He lived to tell Lord. the tale. A couple of months later, Theodoric Smith, um, police caught up with him. He pleaded guilty to five felony counts, including rape of a child and attempted murder, and he was sentenced to 30 years in jail. Now, just before he was convicted... Uh, a detective at the LAPD, Ramiro Argamaniz, I hope I pronounced that correctly. He asked Theodoric about the disappearance of Robert all those years before, and he said that Theodoric hinted that he may have been involved, but he didn't say anything specific. He did mention his backyard. Police dug up his backyard, but they didn't find anything. They found only the remains of a family dog. Another 12 years on... 1997. Another detective by the name of Deborah Kane from the LAPD. She was from the Missing Persons Unit. She took a bit of an interest in the case and she she felt also, as the mother had done, that it was a homicide case. She said that even juvenile runaways turn up at some point. There's something. Mm. There's some clue. but They make a phone call home. There's something. Someone hears something. But this kid just disappeared. So She asked the head of the LAPD's Behavioural Science Unit, Dr Chris Mohandy, to interview Theodoric Smith in prison to find out where the bones were buried. That's the expression they used anyway. And after several hours, this um, Chris Mohandy concluded that Theodoric Smith was manipulative and obsessed with sexual matters, body parts and missing body parts, and in her opinion would be capable of the probable murder and disappearance of Robert Thompson. But again, they had no body and no proof. Um, and they didn't get a confession from Theodoric Smith at that point. So it was another three years down the track, in the year 2000, Theodoric Smith was paroled. But shortly after that, he was committed to the Atascadero State Hospital in Central California. He did a phone interview with the LA Times from the hospital. and But by this stage, he's 47 years old. And he said that he remembered Robert going missing, but he still denied having any involvement in it. Um, They said even if he did confess at that point because he'd been committed, they would have to take into account his mental state. So really what use is the confession from a person who's probably not completely sane. A few more years later now, uh, 2005, this is now 28 years after Robert Thompson went missing an 11-year-old girl had climbed onto the roof of a, a building in Los Angeles. The building wasn't being used anymore and her soccer ball had gone up there, so she'd gone to get there. She looked down the chimney and she saw a skull. So they called the police and they found the bones of a boy, they say aged 12 to 15 years old. So he said, how old was he when he went missing? 14. Right. Um he had been wearing some faded and stained tan jeans and a white shirt but no shoes which of course as we know the young Being boy left behind. yeah exactly um there was no signs of trauma that they found to the body. There was no self-defence defence wounds on the finger bones or no scrapes or damage to any of the other bones. The jaw, they said, suggested that major dental work had been done to repair an injury. So refer that back to that dun, dun, dun. injury that Robert had when he was little. So they didn't think straight away of Robert because so many years had passed. It had been 28 years. Sure. Nobody went, hey, that's that kid that's missing because yeah, he faded it from most front people's, of people's minds. minds. Yeah, they'd forgotten all about him. So I mean, three decades is a long time, is it? But the, the story that had been found in the chimney ran on the news. No one came forward to identify the remains, so the police kept looking through the missing persons' reports. They went back about five years, came up empty, and then a forensic artist used the boy's skull to draw to a composite portrait. Don't you love those I things love when, when they, they do that.
1: that? They did that with um, Madeline McCann. Is did they? To say oh, what, to what she patient, would look yeah. like now. I love when they do that. Have
0: you ever seen the ancient archaeological ones where they and they put clay and they can say how yeah. deep the clay yes. the skin, the flesh would be at each point and they can make and they always look weird like apes. Always weird. So with this portrait there was more coverage on the news and a woman named Donna Thus was watching T V and she just screamed because the little boy looked like her cousin, little Robert, who'd been missing since Christmas Eve 1977. So the LAPD Missing Persons Unit took a bit of DNA from the mother, Clelia Thompson. Who was still alive. Yes, lost all her children, but they took her DNA and tests confirmed that the bones found in the chimney were in fact those of Robert Thompson after all those years. Now the building where they found the remains the family had actually looked there on the day that he went missing, but nobody looked down the chimney. Isn't that tragic? They'd actually been there. that would that's the thing that would drive me mad.
1: And I wonder if he was still alive when they were there.
0: Oh, that's a terrible thought. Isn't Look, it? I suspect that this Theodoric had something to do it, given that he disappeared, he's got this violent history, yeah, and the fact that the younger brother. I mean, if he said to the younger brother, "Do to you what I did to Robert." It's entirely possible that he did something to him and stuffed him in the chimney. Uh, So, I mean, the positive to come out of it was that Clelia Thompson was able to actually lay him to rest and have a service for him. She couldn't afford to bury his remains, so she had them cremated. Uh, But she calls that funeral that she had for him the day of closure. And um, one of the detectives who worked the case says he plans to make it his goal to keep Theodoric Smith in a mental institution. He said, I think this is a homicide but my problem is, can I prove it? And
1: they can't. That is always the most frustrating thing for homicide detectives, I think. Mm. there's And there's cases in the news that you'll hear about where you're waiting for someone to be charged. Whatever happened with that? Whatever happened with that? And a detective can be so sure that that is the person that did it, but can it be proven in a court? That so it... they, don't, they can't go in half-cocked, can they? No, you only get one go. Yeah. So... You just have to wait and wait and wait and wait and wait.
0: You know, I just hope for this little boy. This is awful. I mean, he's he's dead, but I hope that he was not put in there while he was still alive, because mm. that's more awful. It's I mean, terrible. Yeah,
1: because he would have been
0: terrified.
1: Yeah, mm. yeah. So the lesson we've learned. Don't climb down chimneys. Thank you. Well done. But they're really good hiding spots for bodies. That's not it, though, is it? Is that the hiding spot that you're going to put a dead body? Here? No, it's not my hiding spot. But it oh. seems to be a very good one because this one they've people meat. have. I know not... what you
0: do. You chop it up and put it in the freezer and pretend it's meat. No, that didn't work in Silence of the Lambs. No, did it? Yeah, nah. a And jar.
1: I'd only chop a, like a body up if it was really necessary. I think.
0: No, because they'd spray that luminol around, and then you'd be.
1: You'd only chop a body up if you couldn't carry dead weight.
0: Mm. Have you seen a dead body? We would love to hear from you. Please email us and perhaps we'll talk to you sometime and you can tell us your story about the dead body you saw. It's deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. Chanel, it's time we spoke to somebody who actually has seen a dead body. Of course, we ask you, have you ever seen a dead body? And you can email us your stories, uh, deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. And Peter's going to tell us what happened to him. Hi, Peter. Hi there, Didi. So, Peter, how, how long ago was it that you came across your dead body?
2: Uh, look, at it would be at least 15 years ago, Didi. Around about Christmas time and um, had to go to work early uh, to check on the job. And uh, we had some friends staying down from the country and uh, my wife wasn't too happy with me heading off. And I just promised to be quick, you know, <laughs> and... Uh, Turn around quickly, and uh, so I headed off very early, you know, crisp morning, clear as a bell.
0: Peter, you don't have to say exactly where you live, but where was this? Where did it happen?
2: I was on the Mornington Peninsula.
0: Okay. So, what kind of area? Is this a semi rural sort of area? Semi
2: rural area, yeah, dirt Mm -hmm. roads, dirt roads. Okay. So, I headed off down the road, and uh, I saw a car. Not very far from my home, it parked in a very unusual spot on, a, on a, like a service track. Not really a service road, but a service track, facing a, uh, in a funny direction. And I, You know, being a local, I thought, that's kind of weird. And I drove past it quite slowly and looked over. I didn't really see anything, and I thought, it just doesn't look right. So I pulled in the next driveway about 100 metres past it. And uh looked back up the hill and saw the the pipe from the from the exhaust pipe leading from the back of the car into the front window. Mm. you know and I thought, "Oh, my heart sunk and thought I'm going to have to go and do something now and uh so I drove up behind it and pulled up behind it, and uh apprehensively got out and. Didn't really want to see what I was about to see.
0: Why did you keep going at that point though? Um, because, like, I wouldn't, I would have straight away just called, you know, emergency services.
2: Well, I did that too pretty quickly, but I thought, well, it was pretty early, and uh, I thought maybe there's a chance that this, this person was perhaps still alive.
0: Ah, uh, okay. You
2: know. So I thought, well, I'd better do something. So, you know, I pulled up behind the car. Got out, noticed, you know, fully drunk liquor bottles on the ground and lots of cigarettes and things and thought this this does not look good and uh, peered in the car and it didn't look very very good at all. So I opened up the car, the car was still running and I felt for a pulse on the chap and um, there was nothing and very, very cold feeling and uh, a very, very strange feeling, that cold. You was not expecting that but the depth of that cold feeling when I touched that person and uh, it, it stayed with me for a long time. Matt. I called the police and uh, they said, just hang around. I waited and waited for them to come and gave them a statement and it was an interesting uh, emotions going through your mind when that happens because you've got no relation. You've no concept of what's happened to that person.
1: And Peter, when you're waiting for emergency services to arrive and it's just you and this man, Mm. where did you stand? What did you do?
2: I I stood back at my car, actually. I didn't really want to be peering there. You know, I just waited. Um, You know, it's interesting. I'm thinking, should I have touched the car? Is this a crime scene? You know, I turned the motor off. I had Fingerprints on the door handle, fingerprints on the on the uh, on the key. Would I become a suspect hmm. in this? You know, it was very interesting uh, feelings and emotions. And uh, I, I'll never you, forget it.
1: After you gave your statement, did you find anything out about the person, or did no?
2: No. The police uh, took a statement there, and then came to my house later on that day and took a further statement, made no comment about the person. I never knew the person. May have been a local, but I didn't know. Didn't know the person at all, but it, it, it affected me greatly. In,
0: it was, in what way? Like, would it, uh, he come back into your head? or?
2: Oh, yeah, and just the fact that it was, you know, someone, you, you know, passes, you've got some, they're either ill or, you know, they're going through some accident, you know, uh, you have some closure with it. But when this occurred, there was no concept of what had happened. I wondered what had happened. What drove this person to do this? Uh, It was was very interesting. Stayed with me for a long time.
0: Were you offered any sort of counselling by the police? No. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I think they routinely do that now. So you're saying this was about 15 years ago, correct? Yeah. Uh, and do you do you ever feel like that would be a useful thing to do?
2: Oh, not now. I'm, like, I'm totally over that now. But um, you know, it was it was very interesting at the at the time, did mm. How how I was I was greatly affected by it.
1: And is that was that the only was that the you know the very first dead body you'd ever seen? Had you ever seen one before or after that?
2: No, I had I have seen some before you know in more tragic circumstances than that, but well, I won't go into those.
1: No, no
0: need to do that. Well, Pete, thank you for sharing your story. It's um, it's just such an interesting thing. I mean, I'm it terrifies me. I think <laughs> I, I, it's something you don't know how you would prepare yourself for. Like I feel as though I would become physically ill or.
1: It is really interesting, though, that natural instinct when you drove past the car and you just knew that something was off and your natural instinct was to do a U-turn, pull into the driveway, sort of near Absolutely. it, and you, you were on from that moment.
2: Absolutely. Just thought, there's something wrong. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Mm. yeah. Well, Peter, thank you for talking to
0: us. No problem. We appreciate Thank you. that. And Thank you so much. If you yourself. have a story and you're happy to talk to us about it, you can email us deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com. On the next episode of Dead Bodies. So that led us to the Department of Anatomy at the University of Melbourne. And uh, that's where our
2: first experience was. It was a, a huge floor with uh, a vast numbers of deceased human beings. And uh, we all stood there as a cluster of students in almost horrified fascination about what we were to
0: behold. Dead Bodies is created by DD Dunleavy and Chanel Vela and produced by Kirsten Lim Howe. Contact us at deadbodiespodcast at gmail.com.